This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03 on your Friday afternoon, January 5th. Good afternoon. I'm Judson Richards filling in for Rob Hart. Well, the NCAA and ESPN strike a media rights deal that significantly elevates women's sports exposure and revenue. We'll talk about that in our next segment. But first, the U.S. jobs market closed 2023 on a robust note as the economy added 216,000 positions. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Gus Fauchet, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, located out of Pittsburgh. Gus, thanks for your time this morning. Give us your take. Your takeaway from today's jobs report. Well, although the headline number for December is good with 216,000 jobs added, uh, if you look at the past three months, job growth was 165,000. That's still good, a little bit less strong, but that's actually what the Federal Reserve wants to see. They want to see job growth at about that level. Uh, That's consistent with underlying growth in the labor force. So this is overall a good report. Gus, how will the Fed interpret the job numbers that we saw today? I think what the Fed will say is we see job growth is slowing, particularly in the private sector, that higher interest rates are weighing on the U.S. economy. Uh, Wage growth was a little too robust from the Fed. They want to reduce those inflationary pressures coming from the labor market. But I think this means that certainly there's no indication that the Fed needs to raise rates. And we may see Fed rate cuts, but probably not until the middle of 2024. Let's discuss the gains. What areas did we see the biggest job gains? Uh, you know, we saw increases in education and healthcare, uh, leisure and hospitality services, uh, retail trade. So those are solid numbers. We did see job losses in uh, temporary help, and that often leads the overall economy. So those, jo- and we've had job losses there over the past few months. So that could suggest a further near-term slowing in job growth. Let's take a look at the the big picture. What does today's jobs report say about the strength of the overall economy? Uh, that the economy continues to expand, uh, that household incomes are going up and consumers have more money to spend, but we're slowing to a pace of growth that's sustainable over the long run, given growth in the labor force. So I think overall, this is a very solid report that indicates that the labor market remains strong and inflation should continue to slow in 2024. Help us understand why all of this equates to a so-called soft landing for the economy. So if we see job growth slowing, if we see wage growth slowing, that means that inflationary pressures in the economy aren't coming from the labor market, that, uh, you know, that that businesses aren't raising wages uh, quickly enough that they need to increase prices quickly. And yet at the same time, we still have a level of job growth that is consistent with household incomes going up and consumers being able to spend more. So it's a recipe for an economy that is growing, uh, that 
where consumer spending is growing, but inflation remains low, close to the Federal Reserve's 2% objective. The $64,000 question, can you give us your, your economic forecast for this, uh, well, the year that we're already in for 2024? I think we'll see slower growth than we saw in 2023. 2023 was a very good year for the economy, but slower overall economic growth, slower job growth, perhaps a slight increase in the unemployment rate, but the economy should continue to grow and conditions should continue to improve for households. Gus, thanks so much for your time today. Coming up, a huge media deal will provide more exposure for women's college sports. Again, thanks to Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, based out of Pittsburgh. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the NCAA and ESPN have agreed to a game-changing media rights deal. Joining us with the details, Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertier Group, based right here in Chicago. Tim, thanks so much for your time. This is a huge deal, especially for women's sports. Help us understand why. Hi, Jetson. Uh, indeed, um, this is doubling down uh, on uh, not only the NCAA, uh, everything short of college football uh, at the tier one level uh, and the uh, NCAA men's basketball tournament, but everything underneath those two marquee events. And a lot of the value of those, uh, of those rights uh, is very much uh, of late uh, surrounding things like women's sports, and in particular, uh, the women's NCAA uh, basketball tournament. So the bulk of this almost $1 billion 10-year deal uh, for e- with ESPN and the NCAA, uh, the value is largely uh, tilted towards uh, the growing importance and uh, interest in uh, the women's uh, basketball tournament uh, at the NCAA uh, Division I level. And they someone had a signature moment, didn't they? Has this really helped catapult women's sports financially, especially in college? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, the, uh, the idea of uh, not only the women's basketball tournament, um, but also uh, a lot of other NCAA uh, championships uh, have gotten a lot more exposure over the last number of years. Um, the sort of uh, tier two sports, shall we say, um, but uh, getting some higher profile exposure on places like ESPN and its sister broadcast network, ABC, right? The women's uh, NCAA volleyball championship game was on ABC a couple of weeks ago and not surprisingly got its largest rating ever. Um, Frankly, I think it was the first time that an NCAA volleyball tournament game was on broadcast television, right? So softball, women's softball is huge. The the men's baseball tournament, uh, the uh, NCAA hockey uh, frozen four, um, all kinds of other sports, gymnastics even, especially with the, in the SEC. Um, clearly, this is uh, ESPN going back to its roots. 1979 was mm-hmm. when the, uh, the network started, right? The uh, college sports was uh, in its veins and uh, is still uh, absolutely such uh, going forward. Does this blow previous deals out of the water? Yeah, look, I think uh, the amount of money being put into college sports generally is uh, going through the roof. Uh, it is a, uh, a doubling down on live sports and the value of it in television, uh, the uh, the ratings that it generates. But it also is starting to create some more equity, uh, literally in terms of exposure, but also in terms of money. Uh, for the women's uh, uh, basketball tournament in particular, uh, this might be hopefully the first time uh, that the schools and the conferences will actually get some 
shared revenue like the men get and have historically been getting in college football and the NCAA basketball tournament. What specific rights and coverage are included in the new media rights agreement for the NCAA championships? Um, it's literally everything, including the tournaments, as well as the finals, whether they be a series or a championship match game. Uh, and I think what you will see is ESPN getting more creative uh, in trying to create, uh, create bigger windows of, uh, of visibility, including, by the way, this is also building an arsenal for uh, the budding ESPN Plus streaming service, which uh, by most accounts will in this uh, this year, 2024 or early 2025, become a uh, an unbundled direct-to-consumer ESPN, if you will, replacement. Uh, This is just adding to that arsenal of of sports that will be available on that streaming-first service. I saw... I saw Deion Sanders' son, Shador Sanders, who's a quarterback at University of Colorado. I saw him sitting courtside at a Nuggets game, and I remember thinking, isn't it so nice to not have to worry about where he got those tickets or if he's in any sort of NCAA violation? Has the name, image, likeness, the NIL deal, has that impacted negatively or positively at all watching sports or how popular NCAA is? I, look, I, I think it's a, it's a very good question. I think um, traditionalists would say it's sort of uh, uh, imploding, if you will, the sort of classic nature of what college mm-hmm. sports is all about. But the reality is it's giving uh, players uh, and even coaches the ability to actually make some of this money. And dollars in media, in television rights, is really the next horizon. Players and coaches don't get any taste of that. That's only the conferences and the schools. Uh, so uh, a deal like this only cre- creates more pressure uh, on the NCAA to start sharing television revenue as well with these players and coaches. And uh, and I think that's the next sort of horizon for, for growth for the entire business. Yeah, that's a nice segue to our, our last question. What ways will the new media rights deal contribute to enhancing to bettering student-athlete benefits? Ah, well, uh, you know what? <laughs> I um I'm a cynic when it comes to that, right? So I, I, I you like to think that the kids are going to college and actually getting some degrees and, uh, and, and going to school and stuff. But uh, with all due respect, it's really becoming more of a pay-for-play kind of scenario where I think players are essentially being hired and rented, if you will. And um, I think that undermines the whole premise of college sports. But I'm a classic generalist uh, in that regard, and uh, I maybe am falling out of favor when it comes to the realities of college sports. Tim, thanks so much for your time today. That's Tim Hanlon, founder, CEO of the Vertair Group right here in Chicago. Up next, etiquette advice for a meeting over coffee. And maybe don't over-caffeinate. We'll explain coming up. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the mastering of coffee meeting etiquette is crucial for successful networking and interviewing. Here to provide some advice is Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based right here in Chicago. Rick, thanks so much for your time. First off, let's discuss the benefits of meeting in person. Why is that so big in 2024? You're never going to have a better chance to communicate with someone. And, and so let me give you some mind-blowing statistics. 55% of the message is nonverbal. When you're face-to-face with someone, more than half of your attempts to communicate are how you sit, eye contact, hand gestures, et cetera. Now, the other thing that's mind-blowing is that 38% of your communication is basically the tone of your voice. So when you get rid of those, you have 7% left are the words that you're saying. So when you're face-to-face with somebody, it's absolutely critical to pay attention to both your nonverbal 
and the way that you actually speak to that person. Nice part about getting coffee, well, it's a, you know, it's an easy way to sit down with someone. Uh, it can also be cost effective as well. But what are things to consider when you set up that coffee meeting? Sure. There's a lot of logistical things. And I think that you, you want to be careful of over-engineering this and appearing to be manipulative or intentionally being manipulative by, by managing all of it. But th- this is like a first date. When you meet someone, you're actually more interested in them than you are yourself. You might have an agenda when you meet with that person. But you're still going to have that agenda for the rest of your life. You may only get this one chance to meet them. So what's really important is to, to get them to talk as much as possible about who they are and what they're interested in, particularly if it's someone that you think can help you with your career, off, actually offer you an opportunity. The more you know about them and what they're interested in, the more you can fine-tune your responses to them based on what they appear to need and want. So that's critical. It's not about you. Uh, I think the other thing is to manage the time. You know, it's uh, you. You know, there's this celebrity. You hear celebrities talk about the fact that they get overwhelmed by a fan, and it's great to have that fan, but the fan won't let them go, and they're trying to spend time with their children or their spouse or partner or whatever. Think about it that way. This person is willing to give you part of their time, and be respectful of that. You would much rather have them leave wanting more from you than itching to get out of this meeting that never seems to go away. So manage your time and be respectful of them. It's really about them. You'll get more out of it if you pay attention to the other person. Let's talk about preparation, right? How how much actual preparation should go into the meeting in itself, like getting there early, getting a good Mm -hmm. seat, perhaps even picking up their coffee for them, having having it ready for them? Yeah. Well, and again, this is this is very subjective to the person. Some people are going to be very uncomfortable about you buying for them. So if you can prep that, if you have if you have a, a warm introduction, it's a friend of a friend, say, hey, where would you like to meet? You, you have a, a warm up conversation about the logistics of where you're going to meet. If it's a place that they're really fond of and you can do that either when you get there or prior to that, say, what are they you know, what should I be trying when I get there? What do you recommend? And if they give you an answer, please you know, follow that. Even if you don't like Diet Coke, you know, order one if you can be that disingenuous. I certainly you want to be there in time. We're going to, don't think about the fact that, oh, the train gets there at X. I can just zip over and I'll be there. And, you know, this is if this meeting is important to you, make sure that it becomes your priority, that you know how to get there. You know where it is. If you really think it's important, you know, do a dry run, figure out how to get there. Um, and then when you get there, you know, you are if it's their place, they're the host. But you're certainly looking to follow their lead. So. You know, what do you normally get here or what do you normally drink? Can I buy that for you? Yes or no. And then look for your questions really should be, again, about them. You can steer those questions along the lines of what you're interested in. You want to feature your uh, talents and abilities. But say, I'm really excited to meet you. I know that you guys have had this big initiative. If you're comfortable sharing that, I'd like to hear more about it. They talk to you about that. And then your preparation is around things that you have done and succeeded at, of course, that align with what they seem to be talking about. Don't assume you're right. You can say, gee, that sounds interesting. I've had a similar experience. It was this, and here's what the result was. Is that similar to what you're talking about? It's okay if they say no. I say, gee, okay, how's it different? You're just, it's, it's a very casual interview, get to know you kind of thing, and watch the time. Don't let them go too long, but they should do most of the talking, and you want to try to get as much information as you can and then be, as I said before, leave them wanting more as opposed to wanting to get out. 
Rick, thanks so much for the insight. That's Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, right here in Chicago. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, mixing music and books in an independent business. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. WBBM News Business Time, 1230. Good afternoon. I'm Judson Richardson for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The CTA Yellow Line is back in business after a seven-week accident-driven hiatus. President Biden comments on the government jobs report for December. And Entrepreneur Friday, we meet the co-owner of a downtown Chicago business that's bringing together books and music and the new year can include a helping helping hand of holiday debt we'll discuss ways to get things back under control wbbm business the dow is up 16 s&p up nine the nasdaq currently up 35 degrees we're looking for a high of 37 degrees today right now 35 degrees under mostly sunny skies in chicagoland trains are again running on the cta's yellow line following a collision in mid-november involving a piece of equipment on the tracks on the far north side. This is Agency President Orville Carter. Over the length of the line closure, we have conducted a thorough review of all aspects of the yellow line, including the signal system, tracks, and equipment, as well as extensive testing of various aspects of the yellow line operation. The National Transportation Safety Board continues its investigation into the incident. President Biden is hailing the latest jobs report with the economy adding 216,000 jobs and unemployment holding steady. The president says strong job creation continued even as inflation fell to the pre-pandemic level of 2% over the last six months. In a statement, Mr. Biden says while key prices have fallen, some prices are still too high. The president says he's doing everything in his power to lower everyday costs for hardworking Americans, while opposing Republican efforts to give tax breaks to the wealthy and big corporations, while they also target cuts to Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Linda Kenyon, CBS News, Washington. Time now, 1231. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 
Stocks are trading mixed. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, macrotides.com. They're in San Diego. Jim, thanks so much for your time. Well, we've got today's big government jobs report. What's your takeaway from that? Well, first, uh, Justin, I'd like to wish you and all the listeners to the noon business report a happy and, more importantly, healthy uh, new year. Uh, the jobs report had a little bit for everybody. The top line growth was stronger than expected, but uh, for the 10th out of the last 11 months, Justin, uh, the prior month's jobs uh, number was revised lower. Uh, wage growth ticked higher. Uh, so kind of a mixed report. I think the report that came out regarding ISM services, which was quite a bit weaker than expected, really helped the market recover, both in terms of Treasury yields and the S&P, recover from a knee-jerk reaction to the jobs report. So there's a combination of both those reports that I think has influenced trading today. It's been a little soft for stocks here at the beginning of the year. What do you make of that? Not much. Um, I thought that we would see a pullback as investors who had big gains from last year and some of the mega cap stock, uh, you know, waited until January to do some selling because that pushes the tax liability out to uh, April of 2025. Um, the, the overall narrative, Judson, is that the economy is going to avoid a recession. Earnings are going to grow by 10, 12 percent and the Fed's going to cut rates. That's about as bullish as you can get. And I don't think today's economic reports change that much. My bet was that we would see a dip at the beginning of the year that investors would buy. And subsequently, I think the odds are the S&P is going to rally above the January 22 high of 48.18 in the next few weeks. How does the Fed play into all of this? Well, they're a big part of it um, in the sense that Wall Street's expecting six rate cuts. The Fed is only penciled in three. So I think Wall Street's uh, expectation, Judson, for you know a cut as soon as March and then another five is wildly misplaced. The unemployment rate's near a 50-year low. Capacity utilization is really still very high. I think the Fed is concerned about what would happen in 2025, 2026, if they would cut rates with there still being a fair amount of tightness in the overall economy and the labor market. So that's why I don't think the Fed's going to do what Wall Street expects. At some point in time, I think we'll see a 3 to 5% correction in the first quarter. Jim, what do you see as the biggest threat to the financial market right now? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I believe that the economy, after starting this year in decent shape, Judson, is going to uh, slow materially as we get closer to mid-year. And since Wall Street's expectations are that we're not going to have a recession, I think that's the biggest risk uh, to you know, the financial markets. The other risks are obviously geopolitical risks that none of us can anticipate, all we can observe. And you know, to me, it seems like those are increasing. So those are the, the two major issues that I think the market will have to confront this year. AI was the big theme in 2023. Uh, what, do, what do you expect? What do you think will be the big theme we will see in 2024? That's a great question. Um, I'm not sure, quite honestly. I think for me, again, it comes down to Wall Street's expectation of no slowdown, meaningful slowdown in the economy, and a lot of rate cuts. That just doesn't add up. I think that is going to be uh, the big theme as we go forward. And if I'm right that the economy slows as we approach mid-year, uh, that will be the transition that I think leads to a, a more significant 
decline in the S&P. Is there any areas of the market that you find cheap right now? Um, I would like, uh, I think gold has the potential to rally to 2300 uh, during the course of this year. If I'm right, Judson, that the economy slows as we go into mid-year, I think that leads to rate cuts, not for the reason Wall Street expects, but also, and more importantly, weakness in the dollar. And that, I think, would be pretty favorable for gold. So that's my take. I think gold is going to break out above the, the area that it's been struggling for about the last two, three years, 2,070 to 2,100. And once it does break out, it should run more during the course of this year. Jim, finally, what's your advice for individual investors? Um, I think you need to learn how to be a tactical investor because my take, uh, Judson, is that the next five years to 10 years, we're going to have to deal with a lot of problems that we've been ignoring for the last 10, 20, and 30 years. And the net result is I think the stock market is entering a period similar to 1966 to 1982 where it made really no upside progress, but you had huge swings. So for the buy and hold investor, and I have a special record called the coming secular bear market. Anybody wants to receive it, Jim Welsh macro at Gmail, I'm happy to send it. That details why I think we're going to enter a very difficult time where it isn't just buy and hold that's going to work. So to me, that's the bigger challenge as I look out over the next three to five years. Jim, thanks so much for your time today. That's Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager out of San Diego. Up next in Entrepreneur Friday, running an independent bookstore that also has music in the mix. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, it's Entrepreneur Friday on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Today, we are putting the spotlight on an independent bookstore that blends literature with music in Chicago Historic Fine Arts Building. And we welcome Kristen and Nola Gilbert, co-owner of Exile in Bookville, located in Chicago's Historic Fine Arts Building at 410 South Michigan Avenue. Kristen, thanks so much for your time today. You started a bookstore during the pandemic. Uh, how difficult, how challenging was that? Judson, thank you for having us. Yes, we opened in May of 2021, and it was a huge risk, and it was very difficult, but ultimately very, very rewarding. So tell us about Exile at Bookville. What makes it uh, different from other bookstores? Yeah, so we're located in the Historic Fine Arts Building, which is such a perfect home for us, which celebrates art and culture of all forms. And we named our bookstore after Liz Fair's album, Exile and Guyville, which was recorded and the album cover shot here in Chicago. So we always thought that music and literature went hand in hand. And so we like to marry the two and have them housed very comfortably in our bookstore. So tell us about the unique challenges that, uh, that faces independent bookstores in current retail environment. Yeah, as everyone knows, we're all in direct competition with Amazon, and there's no way that we can actually overcome that competition. So that's something that's always in the back of our minds. But I think uh, COVID has taught consumers that shopping local and shopping small is incredibly important. So we're very lucky to be part of this community. You have plans to expand your concept? We have discussed that, but we're comfortable where we're at. And I think the best business advice I ever had and advice that I would pass along is to be conservative. You know, being conservative allows you to keep safe while it gives you room to grow. So we'll see what our coming year has, and we're looking forward to it. Do people like to sit in, and read books? Is that still a thing? I guess I'm maybe going back to my Borders days. But, uh, you know, what, what, what is the hangout like at bookstores currently, especially independent ones? 
Yeah, so every independent bookstore is different. That's what makes it independent and unique. Our bookstore has a relatively small footprint, so we don't have a lot of room for people to sit back and read books. But we are a very welcoming bookstore. In fact, you can select some of our personal vinyl to play as the sort of background music while you're shopping. So we like to have a very, you know, hospitable, warm, kind of funky environment. What are the trends currently in books? Like what what books do you find going off the shelves more so than, than any other? You know, just every store is unique. And our store focuses on small presses and translated works. So some of our bestsellers are from some of the smaller presses that don't get sort of the bookstagram, TikTok, national media attention. Of course, we still carry those books in our store, but it's really what the bookseller is passionate about and the, and sort of the focus that the bookstore wants to present. Those tend to be the bestsellers because, you know, readers can sense the passion when you're talking about the book with them. Did everyone tell you not to do it opening during the pandemic? Oh, yeah. Everyone told us not to do it, and we did it, and we opened up. We're on the second floor, and most retail wants, you know, the foot mm-hmm. traffic that's on the ground level. So we faced a lot of hurdles, but we landed on our feet and were amongst such welcoming company, and gosh, I couldn't imagine a different life. All right, so lay out the best advice that you have on Entrepreneur Friday. What, what advice would you offer? You know, the cliche, location, 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 cliches become cliches for a reason because they're true. I never realized how important it was, and we could not be in a better location. We're right in the Cultural Mile. We're right on Michigan Avenue, and we're in a building that has been celebrating art and culture since the late 1800s. So location matters, and again, be conservative. Start out small. Be comfortable. Don't overextend yourself. Don't take on too much debt because that allows you to feel safe in uncertain times and it allows you to grow in the future. Kristen, congratulations on your success. Thanks so much for your time today. That's Kristen and Ola Gilbert, co-owner of Exile in Bookville. You can go check it out at Chicago's Historic Fine Arts Building at 410 South Michigan Avenue. Still to come, finding a cure for your holiday spending hangover. Well, it's a time of year that many people are paying the price for literally, for holiday overspending. Let's get some help. Ted Rossman, Senior Industry Analyst from Bankrate.com, located in New York. Ted, thanks so much for your time today. What's your top tip for addressing that holiday debt? Get a 0% balance transfer credit card. So these allow you to transfer your existing high-cost credit card debt over to a new card that won't charge interest, in some cases, for up to 21 months. Examples include the Wells Fargo Reflect card, the City Simplicity, and the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum. Avoiding interest for nearly two years is a tremendous tailwind for your debt payoff efforts. Is it tracked where most of the debt is coming from? I mean, is it? I guess the obvious answer would be gifts, but it seems like perhaps you push push other things back or may collect debt on bills, perhaps, instead of those gifts. Do we track really what eats us up over the holidays? Contrary to popular opinion, it's actually practical stuff that tends to get people into credit card debt. Emergency expenses are number one, so that's an unexpected medical bill, home repair, car repair, something like that. Day-to-day expenses are second. Now, some of that, of course, has been fueled by inflation the past few years, higher prices for food and gas and just about everything. To be fair, you know, one person's day-to-day living may be another's splurge. So maybe there's a little bit of 
squishiness in there. But for the most part, it tends to be practical stuff. But it's a tough cycle to break, unfortunately. Help us understand those tactics like debt avalanche or debt snowball methods for paying down those bills. Yeah, it is winter after all. So we've got the winter metaphors working here. The snowball involves paying off the smallest amounts first. And like a snowball rolling downhill, you're gaining momentum. I think this makes a lot of sense from a behavioral finance standpoint that, you know, let's say you get a quick win, you knock out that $500 store card balance, and then you feel more emboldened to tackle the larger amounts. The avalanche, on the other hand, involves paying debts from highest interest rate down to the lowest. That's going to save you the most money mathematically to each their own. But I think it is worth mentioning that the average credit card rate is a record high, 20.74%. Many cards, especially store cards, charge 30% or even a little bit higher. So credit card debt payoff really needs to be a priority. These rates are so much higher than your typical mortgage or car loan or student loan. Is that true that you can go to your credit card provider and ask for a lower interest rate? That does work most of the time. The reason it's not my favorite recommendation is because, yeah, maybe they trim a few points off, but is it enough to be truly impactful? You know, let's say they take you from 20% down to 15 or something like that. I do think you could do better. The 0% balance transfer offers tend to be reserved for new customers. That's really more of a marketing incentive or a loss leader that brings in business from rivals. Um, It never hurts to ask, but I tend to think there are ways to save more money than just asking for a break. I know you touched on this a little bit, but help us understand the balance transfer credit card or debt consolidation loan to address that issue. Basically, you take your existing high-cost debt and you move it over to a new card with a 0% promotion. It has to be from a different issuer. So the business case here is they're betting that a lot of these people don't pay the full amount by the time the clock runs out. I've heard it's about half and half. Once the term ends, the rate goes way up, but you can use this promotion to your advantage by being disciplined about paying it down. I would say don't add any new purchases, even if they're interest-free for a while, it's hard to hit a moving target. I would say just freeze your balance where it is, move it over, divide that by the number of months in your 0% term, and try to stick to that level payment plan. Ted, thanks so much for your time today and helping us try to chop away at that holiday debt. Again, Ted Rossman, Senior Industry Analyst at Bankrate.com. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. Go ahead and download it now. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.